Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. Check back weekly to stay up to date with what God is doing here in the life of our church. To learn more information, you can find us online at sturkey.church. Our prayer here at the church at Sturkey Hills is that you are moved by this message. Guys, thanks for tuning in and have a blessed week. Amen. Well, so we're going to be talking about the best gift ever today. And so to get us started, he asked what's, you know, in there, he asked, what's the greatest gift you've ever been given? And, and do you remember the greatest gift you've ever been given? And what made it so great? Was it the timing of it? Was it the person who gave it to you? Was it the fact that it met a special need? What made that gift so special? But to get us started a little, let's change direction a little bit. What's the worst gift you've ever been given? You know what I'm talking about, those gifts that you get and you're like, wah, 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 you know, Christmas has just kind of lost the spirit, just sucked the wind out of it as soon as you open. And you can't let your countenance show it because whoever gave it to you is watching. You know what I'm talking about? It's an awkward moment. And so we all kind of remember that moment when something was open that we were a little disappointed in. And sometimes we've been disappointed. Or let me ask you, have you ever been disappointed for somebody else? You're watching them open it and you're thinking, yeah, that's not a great gift you know, and so, and it's not a great gift for them. And then if it, if it was you, then you know, it's not a great gift. Well, um, I want to give you examples of how a not so good gift can still be a good gift. First of all, to get us started. The first one is a relative gift can make a bad gift better. Now, when I say a relative gift, it's like this, you go to a party, maybe family, maybe friends and a relative gift, uh, can make a bad gift better. I'm not talking about relative as in family member. I'm talking about your gift is relatively good compared to the other gifts on the table. You know what I'm talking about? You say, well, this ain't great, but look what they got. All right, I brought an example with me, a gift that I got last week. Okay, it begins with this, you know, which who doesn't, you know, who doesn't like an elf hat? You know what I'm saying? All right. Yeah, and then these, and then these. You can wear these year rounds, you know? I mean, who doesn't like these? Okay, now you say, that's not a good gift, right? Relative to the other ones, this is a good gift. And that's what I'm talking about. So you got that going for you when you find a relative gift. And then there's other gifts that, that fall into another category and that a bad gift can become a good gift. And these are gifts that I call a gift from someone special. A gift from someone special who can make a bad gift better. And what better example than a gift from someone special? Watch this. Watch this. You ain't seen nothing yet. All right. You see what I'm saying right here? Now, I know what you're thinking. There ain't nobody special enough to make that a good gift. Okay? Well, I kind of beg to differ. Is that not a rocking sweater right there? Well, what, I, I, I beg to differ. Somebody can be special enough to even make this a good gift. Watch this. <laughs> yeah. Guys. Ooh, la, la. <laughs> there you go. Beautiful. Look at that. Now, now let's see who's going home with tonight's sweater. Everyone, look at your seat number. If I call your number, I need you to jump up and let me know where you are. Quest, can I get a drum roll, please? 
Who wants me to pick their number? Yeah. Three oh five. Uh, what is your name? Tanner. Santa? Tanner. Oh, Santa. oh my gosh, I'm meeting Santa. This is so cool. So your name is not Santa, it is no. Tanner. Tanner. Tanner, where are you from? Tennessee. Tennessee? Oh, we love Tennessee. It gets a little chilly in Tennessee around this time, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you have a, a sweater to keep you warm? Not, not that cool. Yeah. This is, uh, this is gonna be... Would you like to try it on right now? Yeah. Let's try Tanner. Let's go for it. This is gonna be good. Good. Yeah. Oh, Tim, this is good. Tanner, this is good. Subtle. It's subtle. You go, you walk out, no one will even know you're wearing a sweater. You just, they just know that you're warm. You know what I'm saying? Happy holidays, buddy. Congratulations to Tanner from Tennessee. Yeah, that's our very own Tanner Walker on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. It, that makes that, that, that sweater special. I mean, keep this sweater. I mean, that's straight off the Tonight Show. So see, sometimes uh, somebody, uh, a, a special person makes even a bad gift, and we would all agree that is a bad gift. All right? Even, even a bad gift can, can be better. And so to begin today, I was thinking about things that do make a bad gift better. Uh, and, and I've got a list I want to go through. They're on the back of your worship guide. And then I'm going to spin it a little bit. Number one, uh, um, uh, a gift becomes a, a good gift or a better gift just because you asked. Right? And there's gifts that, 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 that people give you just because you ask for it. And it makes a gift good. You know, when, we, when I was growing up, I had three brothers. And we looked forward every year to the JCPenney and the Sears Christmas catalog coming out. Anybody remember those? Now it's on Amazon. What a waste. All right. Okay. You had a limited selection. We joke about it because if you wanted a bicycle, you got a red one. Okay. Now there's a thousand colors and sizes, you know, and they, it wasn't like that growing up. It was much simpler. And so we would make a list and check it twice and get rid of it and erase and change it. And then finally, you know, we would have this list. And for the most part, within reason, we got what we wanted for Christmas simply because we asked. We dreamed big. We, we were excited about it. Number two, a gift can be a good gift simply because it is expressing a deep love. Kendra's grandmother, who's gone on to be with Jesus, she's just a rock star. She just loved Jesus and loved people. And Man, I, I loved her so much. And at Christmas, it was a huge family, and she lived a modest lifestyle, very modest. But at Christmas, literally, she would spend about $10,000 for Christmas. I mean, I was her granddaughter's husband. I mean, that's far and removed. And she would spend a couple hundred bucks on me for Christmas. Why? Because she just had this heart where it was an expression of love. Often a child makes Christmas gifts for their mother, uh, and, and, it, and it finds a prominent place on the refrigerator. And it's not because it's a masterpiece. You know, it's because it is an expression of love. I, I joke about my brother. He made some earrings and a pin in first grade, kindergarten, first grade for my mother. And they were out of clay. No, no person has ears strong enough to support these earrings. And they were about that big around. They were about, they, they, honestly, they look like a pink biscuit. All right. 
And he was always offended because she never wore them. She couldn't wear them on her ears. Her ears would pull off of her head. But it was an expression of love. Number three, a gift becomes uh, a better gift if it's satisfying a great need. Have you ever had a great need and somebody came along and just satisfied the need? When, a need where you don't know how you're going to pull it off. You don't know how this thing is going to come out. Uh, here recently, you might remember a guy named Robert Smith. <clears throat> A billionaire who gave $34 million to pay off the student loans of his whole college graduating class of 2019. I mean, that's meeting the need. That's pretty cool. Um, I remember when Kendra and I first got married, and she was in school, and I was working, and, and we were trying hard to make ends meet. And, man, we bought Christmas for everybody, but we didn't pay our tithe. And before Christmas got there, man, we were stone cold broke. I mean, we were in... We were in dire straits, and I was too prideful to ask anybody for help, but I never will forget, Kendra's mom and dad came down, and they brought groceries and put it in our cabinet. They met a need, and I remember going to, uh, they said, uh, come by the front office. I was uh, an engineer with Mueller Company. <clears throat> come by the front office and pick up your Christmas gift, and I'm thinking, bingo, man. This is going to get us out of hock right here. This is going to take care of some needs. I'm thinking they're going to give me $1,000 cash or whatever. I go by there, and they gave me two five-pound hams and 10 pounds of bacon for Christmas. I'm just glad I wasn't Jewish, Okay. And so I'm telling you, we were the pork eatingest family in uh, Chattanooga for the next few weeks. But it met a need. So sometimes something that satisfies a need makes it a great gift. Uh, number four, upgrading something old. Upgrading something old. Sometimes a gift is a great gift just because it's upgrading something that you already have. Maybe you've got a flip phone. I, don't, I, I think Gene may have a flip phone. There ain't many flip phones left. But maybe you are upgrading to, uh, to a BlackBerry, okay? Maybe you're upgrading from an iPhone 5 to a 10 or whatever the number they're on right now to sell. Maybe you're upgrading from a, uh, from a Timex to a smartwatch, okay? An upgrade makes gifts a great gift. Number five, supplying for a new journey. Maybe you're changing jobs. Maybe you've picked up a new hobby. Maybe you're going to school. And, and there are things for the journey, a supply for the journey, <clears throat> that will make it more successful. And so people get you things to supply for the journey. If, if, if say, you're uh, uh, going, you just took a job. Um, a new job, just graduated school, took a new job. Often people will get you stuff that align for your new job to, make, to help you in your new career. Often if you're going to school, people will buy you stuff to help you go to school, whatever it is. And so those are five reasons or five things that make a good gift a better gift. So now I have a question. I want you to imagine for just a second if there was a gift that would satisfy all five of those things at one time. That would not just make a good gift great. It would make it the best gift ever. If you satisfied all five of those criteria, it would make a, a great gift the best gift ever. And I want to suggest to you this morning that such a gift does, uh, is available to us. And that's what Christmas is all about. You see, 2,000 years ago, God came to this earth with a purpose on a rescue mission just for me and just for you. And he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, and this gift had your name on it. Tell your neighbor, your name was on that gift.
Isn't that cool to think about that before time began, God knew your name? And in the, in, on his eternal timeline in this moment when God, Emmanuel, God with us, when God would wrap himself in flesh and he came to this earth as a gift. Isn't it cool to know that for eternity past he knew you? Eternity future, 2,000 years later, <clears throat> from that moment when he came, your name was on that gift. Isn't that cool that it is personally addressed to you? So of those five things that I said make a good gift better... I want to suggest to you first, number one, just because you asked. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I want you to know today that there's a God who wants to hear from us. And sometimes you'll hear preachers suggest that, if, if, that asking of God is a problem. Listen, God, God just wants to hear from you. And if you're asking something, asking for something, he's okay with that too. Thank you, brother. <clears throat> he's okay with that too. So it's okay to bring your request to God. Number two, just because you asked, Matthew 7, 7. Ask. And it will be given to you. Isn't that cool? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Isn't it cool? It's okay to ask God. So he finishes up. He says the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the door will be open. You see when Jesus came. 2,000 years ago, he came for you, okay? He came for you. He has extended himself to you. It's kind of like <clears throat> often at Christmas, we have this Christmas tree, and we put all these packages under the tree, right? And hopefully you've got one under there with your name on it. Is anybody expecting that you will have a package under somebody's tree with your name on it? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, what if, what if this year you just didn't open your package? You just didn't receive the package. It's extended to you. It's available to you. It has your personal name on it, identifying you. It is a gift for you. If it's something that you wear, it's probably sized to fit you, okay? Now, what if this year they're passing out packages and they call your name and they say, I have this wonderful gift for you, and you just wave them off? No, no, no gift for me this year. Is anybody going to do that? You know you're not going to do that, all right? And often that's the way it is with the greatest gift, the best gift ever, and his name is Jesus. He is, he's, he's offered or extended himself to you and to me, and people around the world just wave him off, and they don't receive the gift. They don't simply ask for that gift. So... Jesus has extended himself. Everything is paid in full. It's a perfect gift for you. And all he's waiting for is for us to simply ask. Number two, a gift that is expressing a deep <laughs> feather from a sweater. A gift that is expressing a deep love. The best gift ever is, is the gift that expresses the greatest love. In Romans 5, 8, 
It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the whole reason for Christmas. Tell your neighbor, the reason for Christmas is love. The reason God wrapped himself in humanity and identified with us is because he loves us. Why would he choose to love us? I mean, look at us. We're not very lovable sometimes, right? Because his love is, comes from the fact that he is love. And you are the pinnacle of his creation, the apple of his eye. It's not, I, I get a little frustrated sometimes because everybody elevates everything else as if it's significant. I just want to tell you, humanity is the most significant part of God's creation. It's not the billions of galaxies with the billions of stars in each one. It's not the animal kingdom. It's not the, uh, it's not the, the world itself. It's people. He, we are created in his image. He breathed life into us. And so now he comes to rescue us, and it is an expression of his love, of his great love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. It says, By this the love of God is revealed in us, that God has sent his, only, his one and only Son into the world so that we may live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus, often at Christmas, we we get stuck with the baby in the manger. And he was, he did come as a baby in the manger through the Virgin Mary. He did, amazing story. But Christmas is only the beginning of the greater narrative. Christmas is just the first chapter of of the revelation of him coming. He came because he loved you. He, He came so he could die in your place. He came so that he could begin the journey qualifying him to be the perfect sacrifice. Romans chapter 8 verses 37 through 39. It says, no, in all things we have complete victory through him who loved us for I am convinced this is the level of the love that God has for you he says for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor heavenly rulers nor things that are present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord isn't that good to know He loves you so much with such an enormous love, nothing can separate that love from you. Nothing. It's one reason we as Baptists believe in eternal security, meaning this. When Jesus saves us, he saves us forever, and we can't lose our salvation. If our salvation hinges on us qualifying for salvation, we can lose it. If our salvation hinges on Jesus being the perfect sacrifice for our sin, him doing all the work, completing the process of saving us, then it's, it's not contingent on us. And so when we receive that, we are saved literally forever. I tell people regularly that I, uh, that I can do whatever I want to do. Paul said that. I can do whatever I want to do. But when Jesus saved me, 
I don't want to do what I used to want to do. In fact, when I do it, I feel guilty. I'm convicted of it. But it doesn't, it doesn't make me lost. It just puts me under, uh, it, it exposes me for discipline from Jesus who died to save me. John 15, 13 says, no one has greater love than this, that one lays down his life for his friends. So this is the amazing part of the Christmas story. God demonstrating his love for the pinnacle of, of his creation, you and I. A love so deep that we can't fathom it. A love so broad that we can't define it. A love so beautiful that there are no words to describe it. He didn't owe it to us. He simply chose to offer it to us as an expression of his deep love for us. Number three, a gift satisfying a great need. Now, this is a hard one because we don't really understand how great our need is. Often, we just don't understand how great our need is before God. We take Judson and Juliana, our grandchildren, we take them shopping sometimes. We'll be at the mall or wherever. And Judson is at that place, man, Christmas is exciting. And so he's four, and, and uh, man, he's just, he's just big-eyed. And, and he's got to this place where he doesn't want anything. He needs it. That's what he says. I need that, Papa. I said, yeah, I know you do. You, know, you really, that, really need that. Well, so we, sometimes we get confused about the difference between the word need and want. But we have a need that must be satisfied, and it's a need that we cannot satisfy ourselves. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says this, sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. By the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Do you see the magnitude of our need, we're all sinners, all of us, all of us, terribly bad sinners, woefully bad sinners. And sometimes we don't think we're that bad because it goes back to that relative thing. We compare ourselves to somebody who's worse than we are to make ourselves feel better about ourselves when the truth is we are all terribly bad sinners. Look at your neighbor and say, sinner. Yeah, you've been thinking that. Yeah, your preacher gave you permission. All right? <clears throat> Romans 6.23 now says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're all sinners. And then we find out there's a price to our sinful condition, and it's death. We have a terribly serious need. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have this need. It's common to everybody. Everybody has a different want for Christmas, but everybody has the same need at some point in their life. And that is that somebody will help satisfy their sinful condition. He goes on in verse 24, he says, but they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This love gift will satisfy the greatest need we've ever had in our life. Isaiah 53, 6, pointing to our need, says, All of us have wandered off like sheep. Each of us have strayed off his own path. But the Lord caused the sin of all of us to attack him. You get that? Our sinfulness is turned on Jesus on the cross. And then 
John 1 chapter, uh, John chapter 1 verse 12. But to all who did receive him, here's, what, here's where we get our need satisfied. He says, for all who did receive this gift, for those who take that gift with your name on it, out from under the tree and put it on your life, on our life, it says, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Romans 10 Verse 9, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So our greatest possible need, Jesus meets when he shows up on this planet 2,000 years ago to satisfy this need. Number four, upgrading something old. Uh, Jesus offers a free upgrade. That's what he offers. He begins with an upgrade on the inside. One day, Jesus provides an upgrade on the outside. You see, when just this week, we had, um, uh, last week, we have one of our uh, members who was diagnosed clear of cancer. And then this week, we have another member in our church who's been diagnosed with potential, a potential malignancy in his esophagus. And so the question is often asked, you know, why do, why do bad things happen to good people well bad things happen to all people and really there's no good people none righteous so it's not even a valid question but but what about people that are saved why do saved people still get cancer why do people saved people still sometimes die prematurely why do saved people have terrible things happen in their life it's because we still live in a broken world and when Jesus came to this earth, he saves us on the inside first. He rescues our soul, and nothing can take that away from him. But our soul is still captivated and carried around in this old carnal flesh body. And this old carnal flesh body cannot, will not overcome the things of this world until Jesus comes again. And when Jesus comes again, we get a new glorified body to match our glorified spirit. And just like our spirit, then nothing will be able to harm us because we will be completely upgraded. I thought about that advertisement. Some of the car commercials are the goofiest commercials that you'll see. Do you remember this one? If it will drive, it's worth $5,500. Anybody seen that commercial? If it'll drive, it's worth $5,500. Okay, that's an upgrade. What they're basically saying, you can bring your sled in there, your old beater, and they're going to give you $5,500. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> what that says is if you come in here without something, you're going to pay $5,500 more than you should be paying for, for that. You need to borrow a vehicle from your friend, take it down there and trade it. Okay? So it's an upgrade. And, and sometimes the, an upgrade is not a real upgrade. But I'm telling you, when Jesus comes into our life, he gives us a full and complete upgrade. And it's free of charge. Ezekiel 11 verse 19 says, I will give them one heart. And I will put a new spirit within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their body. And I will give them tender hearts. 
You see, it's an upgrade. He reaches on the inside and gives us an upgrade of our old person and begins to do a work in our life, making us a new person. 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, here's you an upgrade, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away, and look, what is new has come. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, it was not just to give you a fresh coat of paint. It was not to dye your hair, okay? It was to take everything bad, corrupt, and old about you, which is everything, and replace it with a brand new, looking like Jesus, brand new replacement. That's what he did when he came. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. You see, sometimes we, um, we, we fail to realize that what Jesus is trying to do is make us brand new. What Jesus is, is wanting us to own is the fact that we can't fix ourselves. Tell your neighbor you can't fix yourself. But Jesus is, real, is willing to fix you completely fully and freely and he begins on the inside and often at Christmas we feel a little guilty receiving a gift from somebody that we didn't give a gift to now if you're drawing names it works like this I get a gift from him or her I'm going to buy a gift for him or her nobody's going to show up I hope you don't show up take a bunch of gifts and don't get anybody anything you should feel guilty about that right well, sometimes what we do with Jesus is we, Jesus is offering us a brand new you. That's what he's offering, okay? And we don't know what to give him. Now, listen to this exchange. He wants you to bring your old messy, broken, filthy, sinful you and exchange it for the brand new, holy, perfect, righteous him. Isn't that cool? Now listen, let me set you free. It's okay, that's what he wants you to do. Often people won't receive Jesus because they, in their mind they say something silly like this. Well, my life is a mess and I'm going to have to clean up my mess before I'm ready to give myself to Jesus. That's religion. All of the other religions of the world teach that you can be good enough. You just keep working at it. And then you'll be good enough to uh, earn his love and to land in heaven one day. That's not the Bible. The Bible says you bring your, garbar your garbage and your filth and your messiness and you give it to Jesus because he already knows about it. And he's already provided the gift to take care of your mess. And he will give you an upgrade. Number five. Supplying for a new journey. When Jesus comes into your life, he doesn't come alone. Isn't that cool? Jesus, when he comes into your life, he brings gifts. He brings the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit comes gifts to supply for our new journey. You see, if you're going on a journey, some I'm going to, oh, I just thought about this. I'm going to Africa on July 22nd through February 8th, something like that. And it's going to be summer over there. It's going to be brutally hot. And you can't wear short pants, which I do not like. And so for Christmas, I received 
some things for my journey. Some real lightweight long sleeve shirts, some real lightweight pants, some things for the journey. Well, when Jesus comes into your life, he brings gifts to help you on your journey to accomplish what it is he has uh, challenged you and commissioned you to do. In 1 Corinthians 12, it is, it's one passage that helps us kind of understand the gifts that he gives. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different results, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. To each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. For one person is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, and another the message of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another performance of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another discernment of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. It is one and the same Spirit distributing as He decides to each person who produces all these things. Verse 28 of the same chapter. And God has placed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, help, gifts of the leadership, and different kinds of tongues. The point is this. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he came to rescue you from you. That's why he came. That baby in a manger was not just to point to the greatness of God that he could show up in flesh through a miracle birth. That's just the package he came in. He came to rescue you from you because he was the best gift ever. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to know this morning, sometimes people live their whole life and the gift has been extended and they never received the greatest gift ever. And I want you to know this morning, Jesus is, in fact, that gift. There is no greater gift. There is no replacement gift. There is nothing else that will come into your life just because you ask for it and change you for eternity. There's no greater expression of love than God coming to this earth in the form of a baby with a purpose and an agenda to rescue you. There's no greater need that anybody can ever get satisfied than our need of redemption and forgiveness, and Jesus came for that. There's no greater upgrade than when God, through Jesus' Son, comes in and rescues us on the inside and prepares us to, rescue, to be rescued on the outside. And when Jesus comes into our life, he supplies us with everything we need to do this life and experience everything he has planned for us. And so today, if you're here and you've never received the greatest gift ever, I would invite you, I would encourage you to simply ask and receive. And for the rest of us, who maybe have already received that gift, I would encourage you to unpack the fullness of that gift in your life. To allow Jesus to have prominence in your life. 
to allow Jesus to be free and full in his expression through your life. That people would look at your life and know that it's different. And that difference would be Jesus. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to hear from your word. We thank you as we get closer to the day that we celebrate the amazing moment on your eternal timeline when you would wrap yourself in flesh and come to this earth offering us the greatest gift ever. Help us not miss what Christmas is truly about. It's about you, a perfect, holy, righteous God choosing to love sinful, broken, fallen humanity so much that you would come on a rescue mission offering us forever life with you. In Jesus' name, amen.